Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And on today's episode, we have a very special guest who's actually over there in Beijing, China. I'm here in Medellin, Colombia, and through the miracle of technology, we're able to connect. And neither of us are from Beijing or Colombia. I'm from Vancouver, BC, Canada. Our friend uh, Chris is actually from Australia, and we're talking about Africa. <laughs> you know, what are the chances? You Why know? not? <laughs> So Christopher, uh, you know, why don't we get to know you a little bit better if you want to start off by um, sharing a little bit more about yourself. Sure. Um, so I grew up in uh, rural Australia in a little village of 50. Um, so I mean, that was nice, but a little bit boring. So uh, when I graduated college, I started teaching abroad, got into blogging as kind of a way to keep everyone at home up to date. Um, and then, yeah, that sort of snowballed. I got addicted to being away. So I've lived in Korea for two and a half years, China for two and a half years, Tanzania for six months, um, and it was sort of business somewhere along the way. Uh, I did a fam trip uh, to Tanzania. I befriended the owner. She needed a salesperson. Then she needed social media. Then she needed blogging. And so now I, uh, I work full time for Shadows of Africa over there, uh, and that's what brings me to China this time around. I'm um, I'm basically handling getting their operations here set up. Well, uh, pretty awesome there, uh, you know. And by the way, we have a little bit of uh, internet lag. Uh, apologies for that. I'm actually here in uh, Medellin, Colombia, so the internet isn't that great. And uh, Chris over there is actually in Beijing, China, and he's on a VPN network. So apologies if there's any hiccups there. Our daughter is actually joining us live here too. So our daughter loves to ask our guest questions. What what question do you have for Chris? What's my favorite country? Yeah. Oh, um, I would have to say it is either Uganda or Namibia. Um, I really love those African countries. They're off the beaten path, and they're a little bit, uh, you know, wilder and more real than than the touristy ones. Ask ready. Why? <laughs> Why? Um, I like Namibia because it's very beautiful. Uh, there's not a lot of people there. It's not really for wildlife. It's the sand dunes and it's the stars and it's the deserts. Uh, and Uganda is just gorgeous. It's green and it's full of animals, gorillas, chimpanzees, lions. It's just a lot of fun to, uh, to travel around Uganda and Namibia. Well, you know, uh, our family was actually in South Africa earlier this year. It was uh, my wife and three kids. And we actually loved South Africa. We loved animal safaris and we actually want to do more in those other countries. Um, you, you know, roughly how many safaris have you personally been on? You said you started off with a fam trip. Do you know roughly how many you're at right now? Um, I've done uh, like four or five long safaris. So those are like over the course of two, three or four weeks. So, I mean, in terms of actual game drives, you know, like you're doing one a day there. So I've probably done, you know, 30 or 40 game drives now through all sorts of parks in East Africa and uh, down in Namibia as well. So since you've done so many, I would love to hear about some of the similarities and differences. Obviously, there's some overlap with some of the same uh, major uh, big five. We actually mm -hmm. end up, do you remember which of the big five we saw? Yeah. Yeah, which ones? Lions. Uh, nice. Men, do you remember what else? What did you spot? What, what? Giraffe. That's not one of the big five. Elephants, yeah, elephants, and then? <laughs> Buffalo. And then cheetah. Cheetah. The, which is the only one we didn't see? Rhino. Rhino. Yeah, we didn't get to see a rhino. A cheetah or a leopard? Because a cheetah is not in the big five. It's a leopard that's in the big five. 
Oh, yeah, I meant, I meant a leopard. I always confuse the two. Yeah, we saw a leopard actually in the tree. The, when we went the safari, uh, we went Kruger, Kruger National Park, and uh, the leopard was uh, sleeping in the tree. Uh, the lion, we saw a few of them. Uh, one was at night and it was roaring, it was crazy. Elephants, oh, awesome. we obviously saw a lot of elephants. We even saw two of the big five in one shot. Uh, we saw lion, uh, sorry, elephants and buffalo in the same shot. Oh, so that was cool. Oh, but unfortunately, awesome. Unfortunately, we did not see rhino. Do you know why, Rianne? Because the rhinos are getting dangerous. That's true, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very yeah. true. Yeah, they can be, they're pretty hard to spot, even in, uh, in Tanzania, Kenya, Uganda. Um, there is a really good rhino sanctuary in Uganda where you can actually walk out on the plains with them. So I got within about 10 meters of a, a mother rhino and a baby rhinoceros. And the baby kept chasing us because it wanted to know what we were doing. So it would run after us and it won't hurt us, but the mother will hurt us if she thinks we're going to hurt the baby. So we had to run away from this tiny little, you know, the size of a dog, a tiny little rhinoceros, but we're running away from it. Like, it was crazy. Sounds fine. So uh, the question I was going to ask is, um, what are the major differences between all the different game drives and um, um, safari parks? Because I've only been to one, uh, and that was obviously a big bucket list item come true, going to Kruger. Uh, because you've gone to so many, tell us about some of the differences in terms of all the game drives and the safari parks. Yeah, I mean, every park obviously has its own, its own landscapes and ecosystems, uh, and that really impacts what you'll see. So while most of them might have some of the same animals, you know, you'll see elephants in a lot of parks, you'll see uh, antelopes, giraffes. Uh, every park has its sort of own little unique uh, either landscapes or animals. So, you know, in, in Uganda, you've got animals you can only find in Uganda, like the Ugandan cob. Uh, you know, in the Serengeti, you've got the wildebeest migration. Uh, Ngorogoro has that amazing, because it's inside the bottom of an, an old uh, volcanic caldera, so you can see all around you these giant stone walls, and then in front of you, you've got elephants, and you've got uh, rhinos and things like that. Um, so it really varies country to country uh, and also park to park. You know, in Tanzania, in four days, you can go from a, a semi-arid desert sort of park like Tanangire to Ngorogoro, which is really green, uh, to Serengeti, which is obviously typical savanna. Um, so, I mean, no two days are the same. Even inside the Serengeti, it's such a massive park. You know, you can see wildly different things on any given day. So uh, tell us about the company you're involved with there. Uh, how does it work in terms of the safaris? Uh, what are some of the packages and services you guys offer? Yeah, sure. Um, so Shadows of Africa, uh, we specialize in like private bespo bespoke safaris. So every client who approaches us, it, we build it from scratch. I mean, we might have a template we start from, but the hotels will change, the order of the parks will change, uh, and we organize it all. So we have our own team of drivers. We've got about 10 cars in Tanzania. Uh, four in Kenya, one each in Uganda and Rwanda, uh, and we have our own staff there. So everything is covered in that regard. The only thing we don't sort of organize for you are your visas and your international flights. Um, so, I mean, it's a really good company in that regard. I mean, we're number, I think, three on TripAdvisor right now. Uh, we have, like, really good reviews. We've got three TripAdvisor, like, uh, certificates of excellence. We've won the World Travel Award twice. Uh, so we're really proud of the fact that because we are a small company, you know, I know everyone who works for the company by name. I've, you know, I've hung out with them. I've lived with them. Um, we have really good hands-on kind of uh, customer service, which is, I think, something really good and really unique. So, uh, you know, you're obviously a veteran in this industry, uh, you know, a subject matter expert in the area of safaris. 
for people who've never, ever, ever done a safari before, any tips or advice uh, in terms of doing a safari well? Okay, yeah. I mean, the first thing is safaris are more expensive than a lot of people think. I think you think Africa and you're like, okay, Africa generally is a poorer continent, so it's going to be affordable. But, you know, they're, you know, they're smart. They're on to the fact that safari tourists generally have money. Uh, and so even in, a, in like a country like Uganda, which is obviously not as developed, you're still going to be paying quite a bit for your lodges, uh, for your game driving, you know, for your park entry fees. Um, so, I mean, you can do a four-day budget safari for around $1,000 per person uh, if you're happy to camp and really rough it. But, I mean, if you want to stay in nice lodges, you're going to look at, you know, around the three, four grand mark. Um, so there is that high barrier to entry. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's such a unique experience that you can only really achieve in a certain number of countries. You know, you've got the four in East Africa, you've got South Africa and, uh, you know, Namibia, but... I mean, as I said, every country is so different that, I mean, I've done so many now and I still have animals I want to see. I mean, I didn't see a cheetah until probably my 12th or 13th down safari because they just, they avoid me. Um, so I think, yeah, it's just a matter of being aware that it is a, an expensive thing, but it's, to, it's, you know, it's going to be worth it because it's sad to say, but so many of the animals over there are endangered and so many of these countries are, are developing in different ways. You know, the national parks aren't going to be there forever, sadly. Um, so it's really a matter of, you know, saving up and doing it right because you don't want to have to come back and do it again if it's such an expensive flight and an expensive proposition. Well, a co-host has a second, second question. Do you, have any, do you have something else to say? Yeah, what's your favorite animal? animal. Oh, that's a tough one. Um, you know, I think I've got two. Uh, I love leopards. I think they're just the most beautiful animal you'll see out there. And because they're so hard to find, it's really worth it. Um, so I once spent over an hour uh, parked under an acacia tree just taking photos of one leopard. Um, but I also really like gorillas. Um, you can go gorilla trekking in Uganda and Rwanda. Uh, and, you know, it's a really hard hike. But when you get up there, you've got one hour and it's just you and a small group with a small group of gorillas. And they just don't care that you're there. They don't really notice you. They don't react to you. The, the silverback will lounge around. You know, the kids will rush around. The mothers might give you a bit of a bad look if you're too close. Um, but it's just, they're just so beautiful and there's so much similarity between them and us in the way they behave that it's really fascinating to see them. Yeah, that's definitely yeah, high. I we got a gorilla walk, maybe in the Congo or elsewhere. Tell us about how um, you can manage as a tourist to be eco-friendly and still not damage the environment, uh, not uh, interfere with the animal, um, the natural uh, living spots, because that's kind of the controversy in animal tourism. Uh, walk us through how you feel about it. I mean, I think a big part of it is the, the provider, the safari company you're working with. Some of them, you know, they're, they're happier to bend the rules to get you closer to animals. And um, unfortunately, a lot of clients push for that. You know, they want to be closer and closer. And so they'll push their their guide to take them off the road or to move them into a part of the park they shouldn't be in. Um, we have a really good record with that. Our owner uh, actually trained as a ranger originally. So she was going to be one of the park rangers in Tanzania. And then she uh, decided that wasn't for her, but she's still very passionate about conservation. So I think it's a matter of doing your research, sort of asking your safari provider what is and isn't allowed. So for example, most parks don't allow drones. Uh, and so it's good to know that ahead of time so that you're not caught out having your drone, you know, confiscated. Um, and just being respectful. I mean, 
Uh, with the gorillas, they're very strict about, you know, you can't be sick at all when you go, even a common cold, you're not going to be allowed up the mountain. You can't take any food or water with you um, beyond a certain point. Um, and, and a good safari operator will tell you all of this. They'll know all of it and um, really sort of give you that information so that you can have a, a fantastic safari without, you know, negatively impacting on the animals. Some great tips there. Uh, you know, we've covered uh, safaris quite a bit. I would love to know about your personal blog, uh, Aussie on the Road. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. You, you left Australia to travel the world. Uh, what are the major themes and topics you're writing about on the personal blog? Sure. Um, so, I mean, Aussie on the Road started out as your typical expat blog. So it was me, it was me writing about life in Korea and all the cool places I was going. But uh, over the years, I've kind of branched out into three sort of subsectors. So I write a lot about um, bucket list travel. So it's, it's, it's very listicle BuzzFeed, but I mean, it is giving people practical ideas on what they can do when they're traveling. Um, so I've got a few of those up that are really popular now, including my thousand item bucket list, which is more of a global one. Um, and then I also write about ambitious travel, which is, uh, you know, long-term trips with a theme, like the great US road trip, or um, my partner and I right now are preparing to next year maybe do the Silk Road, so starting in Xi'an and traveling all the way along it to Rome. Uh, no planes, uh, just overland as far as we can go. Um, but the last thing and part I'm really passionate about is uh, mental health and travel. So I've uh, been dealing with clinical depression since I was 17, that's uh, when I was sort of diagnosed. And so I write about how that impacts on me as a traveler and how it helps me to travel, how that's sort of my happy place. Uh, and also, you know, how uh, how to cope with it while you're on the road. So I've written a few posts about, you know, sort of tips and tricks that have worked for me when I'm having a really bad day with the black dog, uh, how I can sort of, how you can sort of combat that and, and still live a really exciting, you know, travel heavy life. Well, you know, that's a fascinating topic. I think a lot of us have deal with depression to some degree. It could have been, um, you know, obviously some bouts when you lose your job or break up with your girlfriend or spouse. Sometimes it's more severe, like a clinical depression. And, um, you know, I found, uh, like, I've gone through some dark times back in Vancouver, especially before we started traveling. Um, and I'll, I'll actually share a little bit here while we're talking about the subject. What happened is... Uh, Back in Vancouver, I was a busy working dad, so was my wife, and we'd be busy, crazy, you know, on the hamster wheel of life, uh, going back and forth between meetings and business and daycare for the kids. And uh, what I felt is I wasn't actually living this life of adventure and passion. I'd become very much a domesticated, <laughs> suburbanized dad. And, you know, my domestication actually led me to depression. <laughs> and um, I kind of laugh about it now, but I, when I was going through it, I was actually um, you know, in bed, I was demotivated, I didn't want to hang out with friends, I was watching Netflix. And really what happened is we made this decision to travel, we've been traveling for seven months continuously, and it has changed my life um, incredibly. I can't even describe it, it's actually, I'm kind of speechless when I talk about the changes that have happened mentally, emotionally, in my soul and spirit in terms of our marriage, in terms of our family, in terms of our kids. And oh man, if you're going through any kind of depression, any kind of um, uh, sadness, I highly re recommend getting um, out on the road and traveling. Uh, so I've shared a little bit about my story. I'd love to hear if you want to share a little bit about yours and how does travel help you with that? Sure. Um, I was in a very similar situation. Uh, I graduated from university uh, where I studied theatre, which wasn't a very practical decision on my part, but uh, I found myself back in my hometown uh, working in a grocery store uh, and people would come through and, you know, I graduated, uh, you know, in the top two of my year. So people were like, oh, you're doing your master's. Are you, you know, on holiday? I'm like, no, this is, this is my life now. 
So I would work retail, I would play video games, I would drink, and I was just really, you know, I wasn't in that good place. I was overweight, I was out of shape, I was just unhappy. Uh, and a friend actually uh, approached me and said, do you want to teach in Korea? And uh, I was a little bit drunk when I said yes. And so a couple of days later, I had an email saying, okay, we want you here by the end of the month. And I tried to back out. And thankfully, my, um, my mother and my best friend at the time, they really pushed me to do it. And so, you know, a month later, I was standing in this apartment in Gwangju, South Korea, with a carton of milk and a loaf of bread. And my boss was just like, okay, good luck, and just left me. And I mean, it was terrifying, but it was the best thing I ever did. I, um, you know, I really came out of my shell. I met amazing people. I traveled. And now, you know, all because of that one sort of spur of the moment decision, I've, you know, I've traveled to, I, I think I'm coming up to 30 countries. I've, you know, I work for a safari company. I live solely on my, my writing and my, my sort of what I do for the safari business. So I'm not working a nine to five. I'm sort of yeah, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't have known that I liked travel before I started because I'd never really had any plans to do traveling. Uh, and now, you know, I, I get, itch, get itchy feet if I'm sitting in one place for too long. Yeah, you know, I, I actually started off similarly. I went uh, from Vancouver after university to Japan because uh, I had a degree in psychology and kind of like theater. It's not like your best career <laughs> move there. Uh, and I love Japan and that actually kind of got me on the, the road to travel too. So we have similar stories, but in different countries. So, you know, good on you for what you're doing. Um, so uh, tell us about the future. You know, now you've um, um, you know, established yourself as a safari expert. Uh, you're doing, um, you know, obviously your bucket list items. Uh, walk us through where you see yourself in the next few months, next few years, and beyond. Sure. Um, so it's funny you mentioned Japan because uh, I remember being in eighth grade Japanese class and being really annoyed that I had to study Japanese because I'm like, I'm never going to go to Japan. But uh, I just recently, uh, my girlfriend uh, adventures around Asia, and I got picked to do a 10-day uh, a uh, sort of pilgrimage hike in Japan. So it's called the Kumano, uh, Kumano Kodo. And basically, we're going to walk between shrines for 10 days in this beautiful corner of the country. Um, and after that, uh, it's home for Christmas. And then next year, we're hoping to move to Taiwan. Uh, you know, we both love China and Chinese culture, but China can be really exhausting after a while. It's crowds, it's pollution, it's shoving and pushing. And, you know, just it's, it's a great country, but it, it gets to be a lot. So we're hoping to go to Taiwan, which is like a cleaner, friendlier, uh, version of China. Uh, not that the Chinese like to hear me say that, but I mean, it's it's one of my favorite places on earth. And yeah, we're really excited to go there and also to sort of do the the, the cliche digital nomad in Southeast Asia thing. Since we've never done that, we want to sort of spend some time in Chiang Mai, spend some time in Ubud, uh, you know, be a little bit obnoxious with our quinoa bowls and our <laughs> smoothies. By the way, where is your girlfriend from? Uh, Rochelle is from Seattle, uh, but she's been uh, over in China for the better part of five years, first studying, uh, she did her master's here, and now she works for, as a college counselor. So she's got her blog, Adventures Around Asia, and she's really focused on that off-the-beaten-path Asia travel niche. Well, you know, i got to actually bring your girlfriend on the show one of these days, too, because I love interviewing uh, you know, different guests. So next time, well, let's get a, uh, you can mention to her, uh, I'd love to get her as a guest, too. I'm sure she'd be keen. Yeah, she'd love to have a chat, I'm sure. 
Sounds great. Uh, so, Chris, uh, to end off here, uh, if people wanted to connect with you, uh, you know, maybe uh, book a safari or ask you some questions, pick your brain about safaris. Um, you know, it's obviously a bucket list item for so many people around the world. And on my 40th birthday, I actually made my bucket list, uh, one of my bucket list items come through, which was uh, Animal Safari. Now I got to do the Machu Picchu. That's my next big one. And then Antarctica is my third big bucket list item. Oh, so, can't nice. to do complete <laughs> So how, how can people connect with you? Uh, what are your websites? Um, we talked about the, both of them. Uh, what are the sites and uh, ways that people can connect? Sure. Um, so uh, AussieOnTheRoad.com is me, and that's Aussie as A-U-S-S-I-E, not, not with the O-Z. Uh, and then ShadowsOfAfrica.com uh, is our website for the Safari Company. Alrighty, so uh, thanks again. It was cool to interview, uh, you know, it, like it was kind of random that I'm a Canadian here in South America, you're Aussie over there in, in China. We're talking about Africa and Korea and Japan and yeah. We're covering all the continents, it's, it's just perfect. But, but uh, yeah, it was definitely very insightful. Uh, you know, you've inspired me to actually go to some of these other places in Africa and do those, um, you know, like the gorilla tracks, uh, the Serengeti, um, you know, the, the migration. So looking forward to doing those. So thanks again for all of your insights tonight uh, on, on the show and uh, happy travels to you and your girlfriend. And to you as well. Uh, say hi to the family. I know we lost the uh, little interviewer. So uh, yeah. Yeah, have a great night and thanks for the chat. Well, she always pops in and out. So do you want to say anything to Anne? <laughs> uh, check out DannyBlogger.com on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, I will. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. So just like she said, you know, she's trained well. Check out daddyblogger.com. Right, Ryan? Check out daddyblogger.com. Yes, yes. <laughs> right, Ryan? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Nice, perfect. <laughs> yeah, so thanks, everyone, for tuning into this episode. Our, our websites, once again, are Aussie on the Road. And, uh, you know, uh, we'll have clicks uh, on the links below to both of, um, um, both of um, Chris's websites. Uh, if you're interested in African safaris as well. And for us, we're daddyblogger.com if you're interested in family travel. And if you're interested in becoming a digital nomad, it's digitalnomadmastery.com. And we actually have a very active and engaged Facebook group as well. So highly recommend you connect with us there. It's Digital Nomad Mastery Community. Uh, so we love building community amongst fellow digital nomads. So make sure you join that one. And thanks for tuning in to this episode of Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the videocast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world.